creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. I am your host, Andy J. Hey, 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 sir. Sir. Today on the show, we're going to talk about style. We're in the middle of a series, like I always do a series. It's kind of a Friends thing rather than like a Game of Thrones thing. Like it's, you, you can dip in and out wherever. So if you haven't listened to the other episodes, that's fine. But you might want to after you hear this one. Uh, this is... The third episode in the series, we're going through the creative zero to hero series, which is just a dumb way of talking about, you know, going, what is the creative journey of going from never really done any creative stuff to reaching your creative potential and all the touch points. And we're exploring those different touch points. And so we did skill number one, we did number two story, and this is number three that's the number after two, style. And uh, and then there's four setting, five psychology, six saying something. We're going to get to those later in the coming weeks. But today we're going to talk about style. And I'm excited to talk about style because, you know, it's a topic I love to talk about. I think it's an important topic. I did a whole class about it with Skillshare. Our second class was all about how to find your style. But it's probably the biggest question that I get is how do I find my style? And I get it. It's an important question. And it's a difficult, it can be a feel, you know, a seemingly impossible question to answer because there just seems like there are infinite options, millions of possibilities. You could use paint, you could use pencil, you could use digital, you could do this, you could draw that way, you could draw, you know, all these different ways you could approach your style. It just feels like there are infinite options. But what if I told you, what if I told you that there's an easier way to find your style? What if I told you that you don't need to choose from infinite options, that when you see what style I think really is, that there's really only two options. Doesn't that sound nice? Let's explore that right now. Let's get into it. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, 
It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. to finding your style. I think the most foundational principle, the first thing that you need to do is number one, style like you mean it. That's a killer's reference. Their song, Smile Like You Mean It. But you gotta style like you mean it. You gotta realize that style is merely saying it like you mean it. And I'll explain what I mean by that. You know, when you start talking about style, I feel like there's a lot of uh, creative heroes of mine that would just be like, style is unimportant. Uh, you know, it's, it's not the point of your work. And I agree with that, but I feel like it's a little bit of a false dichotomy. It's not either the point or unimportant. I don't think it's the point, but I do think it really serves the point. Like style is the first impression that you make on an audience. And it's what either repulses them or pulls them in. It's, it's the cover of the book. And I think it's something that you need to take really seriously and be really intentional about uh, developing and building and, and, and doing it on purpose to serve the point. And so I think it's really important. And I remember back in college when I was first starting out on my first year, I remember telling my teachers like, gotta find my style. I really, I was like just hell bent on finding a style. I, all of my creative heroes had a very particular style. I knew I wanted to be that type of creator. And my teachers were just having none of it. Like they were just like, you know, get, take, hold on, slow down. Like we need to go through some other stuff first. But when you're getting started, you're just like, that's the part that made you fall in love with the band posters or the movies or, you know, what have you. Like that was the thing that you thought that you loved the most about these creators work. Right. And so it, it makes tons of sense. And so when they would try to slow me down, I'd get frustrated, but I totally get it now. It makes tons of sense. You know, if you had a friend that was like, hey, I want to run something by you. I got to have this. I got this conversation coming up and I'm just trying to figure out how should I approach this? You'd be like, okay, yeah, let me hear it. Lay it on me, man. What are you thinking? And they'd be like, okay, well, I don't know if I should be like, <laughs> yeah, uh, <sighs> or if I should be like, hmm. <sighs> you'd be like, what? <laughs> uh, what? And they'd be like, you know, I just don't know. How should I approach it? Should I be kind of like, 
<laughs> oh. And you'd be like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And they'd be like, I just, I need to figure out how, my conversation style. I just got to figure out how am I going to approach this conversation? You'd be like, dude, this is nonsense. You need to know what you want to say before you know how you're going to say it. And when you know that, like the how, when you understand, like, this is what I want to communicate, the how will kind of just follow that. And I feel like the same is true in art. Like that was me in college before I had any idea of what my work was about. I was like, how is it going to sound? How am I going to approach it? I was the guy you just being like, should I be like this? Should I be like, you know, what should I do? But it's all complete nonsense if you don't know uh, what you're going to talk about. And I really think the same is true in art. The first time I ever came into this idea was from muralist and artist Timothy Goodman. He literally says uh, a lot in his lettering work, like he says a lot, and he has these long poems and, and kind of confession style. And I once heard him say in a talk that you got to quit worrying about style, quit worrying about how it looks, figure out what you want to say and the how will follow the style and the how is supposed to complement the what it's supposed to go with. It's supposed to match and serve it. And that's the point of it. And I was like, it was just like this guy of like, you figure out what you want to say, you'll kind of figure out how you want to say it. But, you know, as you dive into this how versus what conversation, you realize like this isn't anything new. Like the how is basically the, the how versus what is basically the form versus content conversation, which is such a historical conversation. It's gone way, way before long predates our current form of the word content. Like it's not even, it's not talking about internet content. It's talking about the kind of content of like, what is the meat? What is your art about? And I, I've got three kids and one of them is always somehow hurting another one of them, either hurting their feelings or physically actually, actually hurting them in some way. And you'll, you'll, as a dad, you just get in the habit of being like, say sorry to your sibling. Like you force them to say sorry. And what do they do? They're like, sorry. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's not going to cut it. Try and say it like you mean it. And they'll be like, sorry. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is just pointless because they aren't sorry. They don't mean it. Pretending, you know, if you don't mean what you say, how you say it is totally meaningless. When you authentically want to say something, you don't have to try and say it like you mean it. Say it how you mean it. If you're actually authentically sorry, if, if sorry is really what you, the what of what you want to say, the how will take care of itself. The how's obvious, but we don't, you know, you can't stop there with your kids. You're like, look, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. And so they look at you and they're like, they, they look at their brother and they're like, <sighs> octopus. And you're like, octopus. <laughs> octopus what are you talking about octopus what what the heck are you talking about you're supposed to apologize and like 
You said, Dad, you said it didn't matter what they say. You said, you said it doesn't matter what you say. You said it, it's how you say it. So I just thought if it doesn't matter what I say, I'll just say my favorite animal, how I'm supposed to say it. So I said a, a sad, sorry octopus. And now this is absolute nonsense. We all know it. But when I went to college to be an illustrator, I trained for several years. And even years after that, my portfolio was just full of sad octopi. Okay, like not actually sad octopi, but but just like I didn't know what I wanted to say. So I just drew my favorite things, how I felt I was supposed to draw them. You know, the kind of style that it was current in the trends, a trippy skull because I like skulls like my daughter would like octopi, a cool house. Uh, just a do- I just put a dope looking bird on everything. They were all just different forms of sad octopi. And I, I know what you're thinking. The more that I am talking about these emo octopuses, <laughs> the, be- the cooler they're starting to sound. And it's and at the risk of demeaning and belittling the whole point of this episode, I'm kind of thinking sad octopuses are sounding pretty sweet and you're probably going to be like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm, I already got on, got on Google. Look, look, checking the URL. Gonna see if, uh, <laughs> my tentacle romance is available. It is available. What the heck? What? You're not going to believe this. Check, go check it. Trust me. This is available. No, don't check it because we're not here to make sad octopi. That's not not the freaking point. The point is that it's not about how you say it. It's not, it's about, you know, you can really sell it when you really mean it. It doesn't matter how hard you sell that octopus style. It doesn't matter how hard you try to say it like you mean it. It's always going to be simpler to just mean what you say. When you mean what you say, you don't have to practice how you're going to approach it. You don't have to think about all the different ways you can say sorry. If you're actually sorry, the style will take care of itself. And so the first thing that you have to do is just, it is, it starts with what we did last week, diving into our story. That's why that comes before the style component is because the style, the, the form, it's going to follow the function of what you're trying to say. And so if you get really clear, and by the way, I'm not saying like, you know, it doesn't have to be a political message. Not all art is political. You know, not all, not all art is even the message is right out in front. You know, for me personally, in my illustration practice, part of it has been like, you know, um, doing episode art for this podcast has been such a great exploration because I'm always talking about my thoughts, talk, telling my story and then illustrating it every single week. And so one of the things we talk about all the time is the hero's journey. So I've drawn a bunch of journeys and it's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, you see a little path in a drawing and you're like, you know, I think we talked about this last week. You're like, okay, that's deep, but sad octopuses aren't. Um, What I'm trying to say is you can feel the authenticity when it's relevant, when it's coming from a story, you know, when it, when that, when it's actually illustrating something, when there's something behind it, you can tell the difference. 
You know, I feel like people have that BS detector. They can tell whether this is connected to authentic experience or not. That's where the idea of writing what you know comes from. It's like what you know. And you can turn it into fantasy. You can turn it into fiction. But it's still going to come from your experience. The best stuff always does. And if you figure out what is the meaning, then you are going to say it like you mean it. And so it starts with saying, what is my work about? You know, for me, my work is about life as a journey, the growth mindset. It doesn't happen overnight. Like it takes, it takes work and introspection and finding yourself. I have all this work about the invisible side of life. Like what is your work about? A lot of my work is about like the Henry Moore quote, who is this incredible sculptor who I'm a big fan of. He said that to be an artist is to believe in life. That's, that is, when I read that, I was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. My art is about leaning into and saying yes to, saying life underneath it all, underneath the struggle, pain, all that stuff. There's something underneath all of that that for me, I believe is good or once good for this universe. And, you know, that's what my work is about. When your work is about that, you know, when your podcast is about that, that influences the music choices, that influence the way you show up and talk, that influences how you say it. And so when you get to the bottom of what is this work about, you're going to know, you're going to get incredibly close to knowing which way you should go when it comes to your style. Let's talk about the second part of the process. Okay, so the second thing that you need to do the second part of the process for style after you kind of know like this is what my work is about then you just have to ask yourself two questions you have two options number two is to match or to mismatch that is the question like what are you going to match the adjectives of your about your what is it going to match it exactly or are you going to mismatch it for effect? And I'm going to explain exactly what I mean by that. You know, when you start seeing this form and content relationship and you realize like that's what style is about is the relationship to the content. All of a sudden there aren't a million options. There's only two options. You know, are you going to directly just verbatim on the nose express what that's about or are you going to mismatch it for, for a reason? So this comes from Malcolm Gladwell in his, uh, when he was doing his tour for his book, Talking to Strangers, I heard him talking a lot about the show Friends. And he would talk about Friends because he's like, this show is a bunch of actors whose acting style is matching. And what matching means is that their facial expressions, their hand gestures match exactly what they're saying and how they're feeling. 
And so if we're talking about style, the style, their expression, their hand gestures, the style of communication is perfectly in sync with, perfectly matching what they're trying to say. And he would say, therefore, you can actually turn the sound off of friends and you can know exactly what's happening in the whole episode without ever hearing what they're saying. That's the power of style. That's what style can do. And he would say that, you know, this is why he thinks that this show was a massive success in all these other different countries was because of the simplicity of the actors matching their emotions and their what with their how and making sure those are perfectly in sync. And he would go on to say, like, you would think that that was obvious, but actually in real life, we don't always do that. He would give the example of if you've ever, you know, done a show and you're playing, playing a show and there's a guy in the back with his hands crossed and he looks miserable and you're like, oh, I can't stop thinking about this guy. He's having the worst day of his life at my concert. And then afterwards, he's the first person at the front being like, that was amazing. It changed me. And you're like, what the heck? Your, your how did not match your what in any way. It was very confusing. But Ross is not confused. You know, when he's upset, he looks upset. He's got a he's got a huge frown on his face, right? Exaggerated. And that's called matching. And so you have a choice, actually, though, of is your style going to match what you're trying to say or is it going to mismatch it for an effect on purpose? What I think you don't want to do, and unfortunately, what a lot of us do, and I've done this for, you know, a whole number of years, and still it's, you know, it's hard to remember in practice. It, it's easy to ignore this choice and get lost in the millions of questions and never really intentionally do either. And so it doesn't actually bolster what your work is about. It doesn't actually emphasize it. It just kind of confuses it or it's beside the point or, you know, at best it's hitting maybe a trend or, you know, whatever, or it's a, you know, bait and switch. I don't know that if you're not purposeful with it, with your style, you'll miss the opportunity and the power of what can style, what style can do. Now, I think the choice to match your how to your what, your style to what your work is about, uh, your style to your story, matching it. For me, I really think that matching, uh, taking the direct approach really on the nose, I think that's kind of the mainstream kind of pop, really accessible. I'm not demeaning it. It's a very viable option. I do it all the time for my client work. You know, my client work is very much like, we want happy uh, users. And so the character should look happy. And you're like, okay, I can match that style. But I think there's an interesting thing where we mismatch the how and what for a kind of commentary. We'll get to that in a second. But matching, matching is kind of a little bit more of a pop sensibility if that's what you're going for. Think things like Friends, uh, think pop music, breakup song, the artist singing it sounds sad. Uh, the painting landscape looks pretty. I'm trying to tell you that landscapes are pretty and the painting is pretty client work. Like I said, you know, they want happy customers, happy users, happy illustrations, but you have the other choice, which is mismatching. It's more of an alternative to the mainstream 
And, you know, you can think instead of friends, I think maybe Mad Men is a good example. Like Mad Men, you're having to constantly watch the micro expressions of these characters to figure out what's going unsaid and what actually happened in the episode. And so it ta- and I think that's one of the reasons why it was so kind of, you know, this cultural moment was it had this weird mismatch. We didn't always know what the characters were thinking and doing. Um, and you really had to pay attention and kind of interpret it. Don Draper does this massive ad pitch and it goes super well and everyone's, you know, in the, in the conference room cheering. But you can tell that Don is faking the happiness. You're like, there's a mismatch. What's going on here? And it makes you lean in. It's a, it's an artistic choice. It's an intention. That's the power of an intentional style choice. You know, I, I was on my way to the studio to record this when I was working on all this. And uh, on one of my playlists, The Cure came up. And I was like, boom, that is exactly what I'm talking about. The mismatch. You know, this idea of like dance music, having a doot, doot, doot. Like this great little plunky bloop. Like that sound. And he's talking about the saddest things you've ever heard. And it makes you lean in and be like, wait, did he, what, what is he saying in this, in this like little happy song? Modest Mouse is uh, one of my favorite bands that they do this all the time because so much of their music is like, don't be a sheep before it was what it is now, but just don't bend to the militaristic government. And, and he would say that kind of thinking, don't bend to the religious uh, structures. Don't, don't conform, but he would say it barking orders like a drill sergeant. And so there's this mismatch that happens there where it's, it's satire. It's where I'm going to, uh, and it's also interesting. I get a little bit excited about this part because it reminds me of, you know, in Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, there's a whole part, there's a whole phase where it's the hero dressing like the enemy you know, Luke and Han dressing like stormtroopers or, you know, the characters from Wizard of Oz dressing up like the, uh, are they called the, the wimpies? That doesn't sound right. It's something, something like that. I didn't plan on talking about the wimpies. I don't think they're, what are they called? You guys will tell me, I'm sure. But they dress up like the bad guys. And that's actually a trope in so many myths and religions. And it's just a, and it's about getting inside the skin of the enemy. It's about empathy. It's about, it's about all these interesting things. But that's not what this episode is about. But it is like, that's kind of what satire is. There's a thing of like dressing up like the enemy, mismatching as a commentary on purpose. And it's, you know, a painting, maybe they paint something ugly to say something meaningful and beautiful or vice versa, paint something beautiful in such a way. Maybe it's too real. Maybe it's too beautiful. Maybe it's too much of an image of perfection. And it's saying something like this is manufactured. This is wrong. This is not right. Um, This is eerily. It's the uncanny valley thing. You know, for me personally, this manifests more in my personal work or the work that I do for my Etsy shop or the, the, the work that like kids books and even like the t-shirts that I design. Usually I'm trying to make non edgy look cool. You know, one of the things I've always kind of had this distaste for edgy culture, you know, new metal, that kind of, I never was really, I couldn't get down with it because it was a little bit too on the nose of like edgy equals cool is just too matched to be alternative. And whereas what I would love is, you know, stuff, you know, 
the cure is a great example of that, but like stuff that sounds almost like it's for kids, but it's cooler than the edgy stuff. And so when I make stuff for t-shirts, that's kind of usually how I'm thinking of like, can I make something that the style, the how actually seems like it's like just a few degrees away from, from your most children's show vibe, but done in with a, in, with a eye for detail and taste that makes it subvert it into, I'm, I'm sure I'm <laughs> taking myself too seriously here, but that's kind of what I'm thinking is what, how do you make something, uh, how do you mismatch to do something kind of in a subversive kind of cool way? And so that's your decision to make. And I, I don't put, I know the way I explained it definitely put some value emphasis on mismatching, but I actually think matching, you know, Malcolm Gladwell would talk about how matching is like so much the art of acting, people that are good at that. And then you start noticing like the actors that you love that you can't look away from, their ability to just emote and and connect and match exactly what they're saying. It's just so compelling and moving. I actually think matching is, is a very, it's a great choice. It's really just about what you want to do in your work and how, what kind of accessibility do you want to have? Are you a subversive rebel or are you someone who's just like hard on your sleeve? Like that's, that's matching. I think that's fantastic, but it's your choice to make. Number three, we always uh, wrap it up with a CTA, the call to adventure, just something you can do quick, a quick win to get this kind of flowing and get this uh, information in action so that we don't just be like, yeah, it sounds cool, but then never actually do anything with it. So the call to adventure this time round is you got to unpack your adjectives. It's a, it's a play on the schoolhouse rock, unpack your adjectives, but it's art, <laughs> the adjectives. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, but the, uh, what an adjective is a little grammar lesson. If you don't remember back in the day, if you fell asleep during schoolhouse rock, which I never did because I freaking loved that. And that's why I'm still talking about it at age 35. Adjectives, adjectives, adjectives are the descriptor words that dis, uh, describe people, places, and things. You know, you can have a, 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 a tiny dog. Tiny is the adjective. You didn't know you're listening to, to a grammar podcast. Um, high level grammar stuff, getting into the, the serious stuff here. But I want you to unpack your adjectives by taking a look at what we did in the last episode or taking a look at what, you know, what your story is, what your work is about and start creating adjectives for that describe that noun, what that thing is, what that, what is, what kind of journey, what kind of thing, an invisible thing. Invisible is one of my adjectives. Why I want you to do, why I want you to do this is one of the things that started to unlock this idea of matching, mismatching, and got me down on that road was I started thinking about people who I felt like their style 
was such a great expression of what they're about as a person, what they're about as an artist. The first person I thought of was uh, my friend Lisa Congdon, who's an artist illustrator. And her work, you know, if you look at her work first, not what she's about, but her work, what is her work like? It's colorful. It's, it's bold in your face. It's proud. There's a human touch to it. It's not too slick. It has this, it, everything she makes has this like just perfect imperfection. You know, and, and if you take those adjectives, they describe what the work is about. They describe the how on the surface. But if you connect them back and unpack them, you're going to see that that is the same thing that her work is about. It's about vibrant life. It's about being bold and being proud of who you are. It's about humanity being human. The same adjectives that you would describe the content, you would describe the form because they match and they are an expression of it that give a sense of what's inside this artwork. Then I thought about my friend Morgan Harper Nichols, poet and artist. You know, if you think about how would you describe, we're doing this backwards, by the way, from what I'm suggesting you do as we're analyzing. Take a look at her work and you're going to say, what adjectives would you use? Flowy. A stillness. It looks like a snapshot of something that was in motion, like a like pausing, like just um, freezing everything. Uh, stillness. It looks like a wash, like it's like a washy watercolor. It's loose. It's flowing, and those all describe what the work is about. It's about living life from a flow state. It's about stillness. It's about looseness, letting go. There's a clear match between the style and the content. The style and the story are in unison. Then I started thinking about one of my creative heroes, Tim Robinson, comedian who created the show, I Think You Should Leave. Warning on that show. Wildly inappropriate, extremely weird, I can't fully recommend it for those reasons, but, it, but um, it's it, uh, my weird sense of humor. It does it. And I think about what descriptor, what's the first thing, what's the first adjective that comes to mind? Loud. And I thought loud is such a good expression of every character because they are tone deaf in terms of their interaction with other people. They constantly, they do not pick up on the cues. They are out of the loop. They are tone deaf. And therefore the loud is an expression of that. It's inappropriate. Uh, And everything these characters do is inappropriate because it's about characters that don't know what is appropriate. And so there is this interesting matching. So what you have to do is take your message Take your story from last week or, or think about, you know, what you want your work to be about, what your conviction is, and then unpack those adjectives. You got to say, what are the, how would I describe the, you know, my work being about the journey? How would I describe that journey? I'd describe it as epic, vast, you know, landscapes, t- peril, like there, you know, this, uh, a perilous journey, like 
how would I describe those things? And then how do I manifest those things through how I make the piece? How like it influences the colors. It influences whether I finish it all the way or I leave some of it undone. Like all of it is an expression. If you start getting those adjectives, describing the, uh, what your work is about, those can become prompts, creative prompts for unraveling what your style should be. You know, when I was thinking, I had actually a, a little creative breakthrough for myself for some of the episode art for this episode going through this because I felt like, you know, I, I've been loving the stuff that we've made for the show recently. But, you know, as I started thinking through this, I felt like, you know, there's a little bit of a gap right now. There's a, a, a little unintentional mismatch with some of the art that we've been making for the show where sometimes it's, a, it, you know, especially in the past, it got too slick digitally and didn't feel introspective like the content. The content's meant to be introspective. If you get stuck there, throw that into a thesaurus and see if, see if there's anything in those synonyms that, <laughs> lots of grammar today, anything in those synonyms that, that jumps out as a, a stylistic flourish for your music or your writing. You know, introspective, it's reflective. You know, reflection, reflective is what you would describe maybe a journal. Right. And so that's where, you know, a few years ago, I really like went down that road of like, I want the artwork to feel more like something I put in my journal than something that is plastered on a billboard because that feels more like this podcast that the adjectives match, the form and the content flow from each other. So I hope that helps. So I want to just end with one last thought that, uh, you know, I think that the point of this episode is not that you have to start with a meaning or something to say in your art. I actually think you can do this completely in reverse. You know, my whole invisible things project and all the characters that I do and all that, that happened completely in reverse. You know, it, it started with being attracted to a style, being attracted to symbols and not, and you know, these kinds of adjectives and not really knowing why and using my art to dig into them. I knew that was authentic. And so I think it can happen the other way, but I think the connection is the key. I think that you have to keep, if you're going to start with the style, you have to keep digging down until you understand what it means. And it's the same thing you hear. Like, this is how most musicians I've heard describe writing a song. Like, they start by, you know, playing something like, oh, I like that. And then they just start, you know, da, 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 da. <laughs> I don't know. I never, I'm not a musician, but, you know, just saying nonsense, but with some feeling, like how they're saying it's kind of coming through. And they're like, well, why am I saying it like that? What does that feel like? What, what words do I have? How can I tie that to my experience? What is it? Where's that coming from? And I actually think like as a creator, this is pretty common because I feel like humans, you know, I've, I've heard that we are feeling beings before we are thinking beings and our thoughts often are trying to rationalize or put words to a feeling um, and, and make sense out of how we're feeling. And so I actually think that this is a totally fine, uh, justified way. But I think the reason I wanted to put story before style was because I think this is the typical way in which creators uh, create. And I think this way can 
create the miss, the accidental, unintentional mismatch between the style and the story, the form and the content, the how and the what. And if you force yourself to do it the other way around, it might just spark something. Um, and I even think that um, I, I believe in this idea and, I th and it's helped me make some of the work that I'm most proud of. But I'm also, I, want, I think it's good. I wanted to end with one little thing to say, and also leave a little room for the mystery. Leave a little room for, you know, the police song, the do, 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 da, da, da thing, or su, su, studio from Phil Collins. Like, leave some room for like, there's no way I can tell you exactly what it's about. But I can, through how I'm saying this nonsense, maybe get it the ineffable the undescribable. So I think, look, there's room for all that. I think that there is, but I don't think that you're going to regret ruminating and trying to unpack those adjectives and figure out not just how you're going to say it, but what you're actually saying, because you're going to find so much more meaning in your work. And I think other people are going to find a lot of meaning in your work if you are actually meaning what you say instead of trying to mean what you say. Massive thanks to the band Y and lead singer Yoni Wolf for the jingle and our soundtrack. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing this show so beautifully. Content assistance from, from Connor Jones and, and Sophie Miller, a.k.a. Sophie Pizza, and Ryan Appleton, and Katie Chandler. Katie Chandler has given assistance to all things Creative Pep Talk now. Also a great illustrator in their own right. Thanks to everybody for showing up each and every week and listening. I hope this Build up your tank, and until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>